Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Audio Time Capsule episode 6. For those of you new to the show, I'm comedian Simon Kane, and this is the podcast where I bring on a guest, get them to leave 20 questions, and then bring them back on a year later to answer them. I then edit it so they're talking to their past self. All past voices will sound like this. And all future voices will sound like this. To give you an idea of how the show's structured, here is an example question that I recorded just before meeting up with this week's guest. Simon, your favourite chocolate bar is Toblerone, but at the moment, uh, sort of halfway through the Edinburgh Fringe, you seem to be buying a lot of munchies. Have you grown out of Toblerone? Is it still your favourite chocolate bar, or are you now a munchie lover? That's not the right way of saying it. But are are you? Is munchies your new favourite chocolate bar? Munchies is not my new favourite chocolate bar. I do. They're not even a bar. They're sort of mini bites, aren't they? I still love Toblerone. I sort of stopped buying it about a year ago, or I, I didn't stop buying it a year ago, I slowed down buying it a year ago when they reduced the bar size, which annoyed me, because they claimed it was to do a Brexit, we all know it's profit driven, isn't it? So yeah, I stopped buying it because I was getting frustrated, and I was buying a lot of munchies, and I'm still buying a lot of munchies, but I'm also now buying a lot of Toblerone, and just resenting the fact that I'm now paying the same amount for 350 grams that I used to pay for 400. Thanks a lot, Nestle? I think it's Nestle. I'm not sure. If it's not Nestle, I'm sorry. Cadbury's. Whoever it is that make them, thanks a lot for taking away a lot of my chocolate. Although, to be fair, I do eat too much of it, so you're actually probably helping me out. But it's my choice, not yours. Nanny state. (laughs) In this episode, I got on comedian Russell Hicks to discuss how his life, his career, and his worldview have changed in the last year. This is a really reflective episode, and it's it was really interesting to see how his creativity has changed, and how that's impacted on a lot of his life, as well as how he feels he's moved forward in a lot of areas in his life, including becoming a much more relaxed and laid-back person. I, there are moments in this where he gets quite frustrated with his past self, and that, to me, is quite interesting. I think it's quite telling about how we can get very annoyed by ourselves in a way that we might not with other people or we can we can have a go at ourselves in a way that we might not with someone else because we want to save face or we want to look sane or whatever this this one was really interesting and i really enjoyed putting it together if you're new here please do not forget to hit the subscribe button if you're old here please do consider giving us an honest ideally positive review in itunes and either way please do join the facebook group where you can find out about future guests and get exclusive behind the scene content and find out loads more that is going on with this project it's called the audio time capsule and it's on facebook of course you can also follow us on twitter at audio time travel but for now let's open the time capsule of russell hicks hi my name is russell hicks today's date is august 18th 2016 i am currently sat inside the sweet venues at the apex hotel i'm feeling really good 
I'm feeling very calm and uh, satisfied. Yeah, near near within 0.2% of my goal satisfaction of where I like to be. Yeah. Hi, my name is Russell Hicks. Uh, it is August 12th, 2017. I'm sitting inside of uh, the same studio that I was in a year ago. It's all feeling very, very eerily similar. And it's very early in the morning for the middle of the fringe. But, uh, and I'm feeling really good about these questions that I'm about to answer from myself to myself about myself. Hi, Russell. You're a year older now. Do you feel like you're finally performing at the level that you feel most satisfied with? God, this is wanky. <laughs> um, yeah, you're going to be, you'll be happy to know, buddy, when you get here 12 months down the line that I think something that I realized this year, I was having a, a hard time. I think for me personally, I think every comedian has got his own personal demon that he that he has to get over that that can kind of inhibit their progress and uh, inhibit their enjoyment of it and for me it was just paralyzation through analyzation and i think that i don't know at some point in the year i just started to enjoy the the experience of just going on stage without needing or uh any kind of result you know um which is a, a direct obstacle to, to enjoying doing any sort of live performance at all if it starts to become to this point where you have to be this way, you have to do well, you have to, you know, be like this. You you really can only do something, as, especially as pure as like live stand-up, you can only do it by going into it com- completely ready to, I guess for lack of a better term, just die. And... um that that kind of uh that that kind of pure giving yourself to it is what makes for the best experiences and like honestly this yeah i've just completely relaxed through not uh analyzing it afterwards or not i I can hear it in your voice mate you're just you're thinking too it's like that bob dylan song little boy allows takes himself so seriously you really just need to relax stop thinking about it and you'll be okay but good news you do and this has been like the funnest run ever man just having great shows every night so yes i do buddy well there's all more relaxation and more uh into it i'll i'll be at the whatever that peak level is it's funny just i'll make this quick just the idea listening to that me ask myself there's he's all, he's got this idea part of the problem is that he said the, the like he he thinks there's this perfect level that you have to get to and i think the idea of that is an obstacle in itself so just be man yeah so yes yeah totally happy having performing like uh at a level i'm happy with so that's a good one yeah also russell have you put out that short book that you've been writing forever that you meant to put out this year no but i found it in uh our sister's garage the original manuscript that i wrote when I was uh, before I was a comic and I was working in an office and I kept it in, under our bed for six months because I was scared to read it and and see just I mean how, how unbelievably bad it probably was going to be I'm not afraid to admit and this is not a normal thing for me but I I, I looked at it and I've read like a couple pages of it and I, it actually annoyed me that it's I seem to have been a much better writer back then so 
I'm going to do it soon. The only reason we haven't done it is uh, I want to write it. I want to go to France and write it because we always decided that, that we were going to do that. So uh, it's still on the burner. It's not, it's not, hasn't bothered. I haven't seen it as any kind of failure that we haven't written it yet because believe it or not, man, trying to turn around a novel in a year. I mean, bless your heart, but that's a, that was a pretty big endeavor you set for yourself. So not yet, but we got the manuscript. It's in the works, man. It's in the works. You can't rush these kind of things. I mean, this is, you got to consider this is going to be the great American novel of all time. So written outside of America. So no, not yet, but we will. Did you put out the comic book version of that set that you had that you gave to the guy to illustrate and turn into a comic book that you thought would be a good idea to have a comic book version of a set that you said you'd put out? Okay, you know what, mate? Why don't you get off my back with all this stuff that I haven't done, okay? What have you done? Nothing. How do I know that? Because you're me, and we haven't done it. But we did. We decided not to do that, but, which is amazing, because essentially what that comic was going to be was a graphic novel representation of a horrendous set that I had done uh, at a really clubby comedy club. And that's just an indication of where you're at right now, where you just focus on that one night so much that you want to do this, like uh, you want to make this modern oil painting of it so it can live on forever. Quite honestly, I've forgotten all about that. I'm bored of it. But what I have done is I committed to that idea. I do want to do a comic. So I had a script lying around. You know this, the the one that we have about being at the fringe and it's kind of a pulpy thing about a guy who... Injured, he punches someone at late in live, and then the guy tries to sue him. So to get out of trouble, a big mainstream comic says, "I'll give you the money to get out of it, but you got to kill all the critics in Edinburgh." And it's like a noir, just silly, overdone thing. I had a script for that that I tried to sell to somebody who they didn't want it, rightfully so. We read that afterward, and yeah, oh boy, but uh, shaved it down. I gave it to an artist, and they are, as we speak, turning that into a comic book right now. And I am probably going to sell that next year or put it online uh, this year for sale. So, um, And the reason that we're not using the show is like I just realized it's a funny idea to do a comic book rendition of your performance. But in actuality, after looking at it, I was like, this is really boring. So we're taking the script because as I looked at that script and shaved it down to just 15 pages... It's got a storyline, and it suits a comic book much better. So that that is actually in the works, man. Have you gotten on television this year? <laughs> um, I don't know why you laughed like that at the end. It's almost as if you... I mean, it's a bad sign when yourself recommends something like that, suggests that, and then laughs in your own face as if it could happen. Well, define TV. Uh, if you mean TV in the terrestrial sense, the commonly accepted TV, no. But one thing that I realized this year is you reap what you sow. If I look at the things that I have or have not done, I have to ask myself, well, what have I done for that specific thing? And the answer is Nothing, really. And then when you ask yourself, well, why haven't I done anything for that specific thing that I think I want? I think sometimes you figure out, well, maybe you don't actually want that. And then, so I think this year I did a lot of that. I was like, there's all these things that, you know, people want and they they, they purport to want, but they're not doing anything for it. And the answer probably is that they don't, they want something that that thing can give them, but they don't actually want that thing. So... 
in the year uh, in this year rather than see I got to get on TV because this will happen. Which, by the way, I, uh, from I don't know what would happen. That's the thing. You you, you think you're going to get these things, and then and then uh, all this stuff is going to, but you don't know what. Like I want to win the Edinburgh Award. Why? Because then everything is just like some magical rainbow road gets paved for you, and you don't even have to worry about it. So what I did instead is I started to think, well, what. What do I want to to do, and what what can I do right now? And I think actually, when you ask yourself those basic questions, um, for example, let's take the Edinburgh Award. You say, "What do I want out of that?" You have to take validation out of it. A lot of people want to win that for validation. That's a silly thing. It's the same kind of thing that leads people in Hollywood to have massive pools and mansions and still feel sad about themselves because validation is ephemeral. It's fake. It doesn't do anything. But you can get money from the award. And that that's that sounds like a superficial thing, but in reality, it's that's a, that's not a bad goal to go. Oh, that's a practical thing. So if that's what you're thinking, well, how can you get money right now? I mean, if you're talking about getting money from your art, that's actually something you could do right now. And I realized that, and I started to think, well, I should create things. I should put things out. With all this talk of comics and books, I was like, I've never put any stand up out. So I decided to record every show at the Fringe this year and put that out. And that's a way to kind of create something I'm proud of. That also supports me outside of the festival, you know, on a broader scale. Because, I mean, let's not forget, there's there's the festival, which is amazing. But then there's also, like, and I don't want to say career, but just doing comedy and making your art for your life. So you should also think in that sense, um, you know, as well. So, I mean, no, I didn't really get on TV, but I haven't been wanting for it either. Because I understand a lot of TV. I get it. They have jobs, and they need to... You, when you put something on television, you're making it for a mass audience. And when you have 20 people who are going to give you a script and say, this is exactly what I say on stage, this is, you know, and they're funny, what, who's going to put their job on the line for a guy they don't know at all with the chance that he's going to go up and say something, you know, crazy? So I don't, uh, I don't blame them at all. So no, well, I did a bunch of commercials though. Yeah, and 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 between the time of that this in, at the time of this interview, I don't even have a commercial agent. I'm not even doing commercials. And um, you booked three of them this year. Actually, mate, you did get on TV this year. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, you did, just not in the way that you thought. Yeah, congrats. You're on TV for probably ten seconds total. But the money was all right. Here's a good one. This one kind of goes with the first one. This is so important for me. This is the most important. If I'm honest, I don't really think in projects. I really don't. I think in terms of how I feel on stage, most importantly, uh, this is a very personal thing, too. This is very awkward to say. Do you feel like you are, for lack of a better term, blowing your mind on stage again, feeling excited, falling in love with it again, wanting to be up there? That's something I'd like to really get back to, which that's what I mean about being within 0.2%. There was a very awkward thing for about a year where I just I was just off kilter. And I just, like, you know what I mean? I just felt like I would just come out on stage. And it's, I was doing these really, really mainstream clubs, too. And so you just, that's not where you want to find your artistic legs. <laughs> like, if you're struggling, that's not a conducive environment. To, but I'm feeling great now at the festival. Oh, God, mate. That is personal when you say that. But, well, the good news is, yeah, definitely. I mean, you are just in your head big time right there. I can hear it in you. Since I improvise a lot, and although I've never been, like, an, an improv troupe, and um, the same rules apply. I mean, the worst thing you can do is like be inside your mind and thinking about your next move. So what I love about my style of stand-up, and maybe this is the same for everybody, is that through figuring out how to make the mechanics of your set work on stage, 
I find that the truer it is to who you are up there, those same mechanics tend to be the kind of things that you should have implemented in your whole life to make that an easier situation to experience as well. Like, I feel like if you, um, you know, if I look at how I conduct myself, you know, off stage and maybe in the past or something, that really all comes down to that being too analytical, too in your head, too just existentialism to uh, the utmost degree. And so I've, yeah, the, I mean, the, the, there's a great line in um, the movies that probably shaped our existence more than anything, which is Back to the Future, where you remember when Doc Brown gets shot by the Libyans in the end and he opens his shirt and he's got the bulletproof vest. And what does he say? Because Marty says, what about all that talk about the space-time continuum and blah, blah, blah. And, and Doc was so adamant about it. And his answer to Marty was, well, I just thought, what the hell? Now, I mean, what he really should have said there is fuck it. But the same thing applies, man. It's just fuck it. And I think I, I came to that. I think that through creating things, like I said, putting things out, opening yourself up a little bit more, like you just get to that fuck it point. And it's a beautiful thing, man. There is no there is no future. There is no past. There's only what's happening right now. And you're really doing no service to yourself by analyzing any moment that isn't the one you're in right now. Just when I thought I couldn't get wankier than the original question. But also, I don't have a plan. Uh, and I think maybe we confused um, the person who's running this podcast the first time because you get a lot of people with five-year plans and stuff like that. That's fine if they want to do that. I believe more in putting myself in a in a just having an energy in in this moment. If if the energy that I've got now is positive and like it's uh, creative and I can you can feel it when you're in that sort of. Uh, that space i i just i don't know exactly where i'm going but i know that i'll uh it'll be okay and i'm going somewhere and that's kind of how i've conducted myself to this point and i mean it's led me to the suites venues for the second time talking to myself in the presence of a lovely man so so we're all right so yeah yeah dude had some shows this year yes you'll be happy to know man with that attitude with the with the la- with the the loss there's no with without fear excuse me without death there is no fear and that's the way it goes in life you know so with the same goes with comedy and to be able to walk into every set now without any sort of fear because i know there's gonna be no reprisal of myself if i don't perform to this expectation the shows have been amazing i had a show last night at my solo show definitely several times that this festival man have hit that beautiful moment where you're just like completely in sync. There's no thoughts in your head and you're with the audience and you're improvising something and it's amazing. So yeah, man, comedy's fun. It comes in waves and uh, we're riding one now. So relax, pal. You'll be okay. Less coffee. All right. The problem is I'm just so stellar in all those categories. Uh, Here's something that I only in the last two years have decided, oh, I've never put any energy into that. Maybe I should try. Did you save that amount of money that you said that you would try to save for this year and also pay off that thing that you wanted to pay off, which I bet you have because you're so good at goal setting. I just compliment myself. and the It's good self-esteem. You know, I was depressed there in high school for a bit. This is nice.
listen to me talking to me. Yeah, well, you nailed it, bro. You know yourself. Yeah, we did it. And uh, good on you. Yep, paid that thing off and saved the amount of money that we said we would do. Good on you. Good on you, friend. And yeah, we were depressed in high school. What normal human being wasn't? I say get it over early, and then the rest of it is sweet. Yeah, we did it, man. Yeah, good for you. Saved it, paid it. Oh, thing. Oh, uh, credit card. Yeah, my credit card got out of control. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Again, and I was just like, so I, I, all I wanted to do was have a certain amount in my savings account. This, this is a, here's the thing I think happens to uh, uh, comedians when you're like, when you start doing it and you're getting a little bit of a, a living on it, it's it, it's great because it can make you also get practical in areas that you have always been completely horrendous at. And, you know, I think an artist, when they su- start to support themselves, they get, they get a little, not too much. It's not like we love money or anything, but you get an element of like, okay, I want to maybe, you know, be able to, at the worst case, be living in sp- Spain like Hemingway or something, get a little bungalow. So you start to learn how to save and... Um, yeah, I probably paid off like it was like five grand or something like that, which I was on track to pay it off. I wasn't scared about it, but I did it. And um, yeah, and then um, savings account is up there pretty much more money than I've ever had in my life. Yeah, sometimes I think it can help to do practical things because it's such a opposite part of your brain that is used than the overthinking constant artist brain. I don't know. So, yeah, definitely, man. Happy with that. Good boy. Have you pursued and achieved any kind of acting? I would like to, in the next year, make some headway as far as... I look at stand-up as, like, in college in America, you have major degrees and minor degrees. I would like to get a minor. Stand-up's my major. But a minor would be acting in something cool, something I really like. So to at least be scratching the surface as far as that goes, because I don't think I've put any effort into that. Have you made any progress with that? That would be an interesting one because I definitely think I'm looking forward to to try and do more of that. Well, um, I mean, you booked those commercials. You booked like, which was a surprise because I didn't know I was going to do commercials ever again because, uh, you know, you did them in L.A. and it was like, uh, but through, I mean, you did three commercials, bang, 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 right in a row. And I think that the way that I told myself, I kind of made it okay was I being in the audition room and all that, that's like a whole different skill and it's kind of fun to master it because I think in a way it's more uncomfortable for a comic to be in that close quarters and especially with that kind of blatant judgment, at least for me, like my, my, the way that I, my natural way of conducting myself in an audition is like, it used to be like, I just wanted to scream at them and kick their cameras over because I just can't stand to be judged like that. That's why I would never be on Britain's Got Talent because like if David Williams even looked at me wrong, I would just jump off the stage and start punching people. So, but I learned how to conduct myself in that and you really get in a groove with it. And uh, yeah, I, I booked those three things right in a row and it was really exciting and it definitely got me hungry for like real acting stuff. But no, not yet, man. And I think that the only reason for that is 
you've got to take yourself to that, like I said, to that world and find those, you know, who's doing that kind of thing and, uh, and get into it. But, uh, maybe film something on my own. So a little bit, a little bit more than I, more than I had back then, but nothing like uh, a movie or anything like that. But maybe for next year, because I mean, you just have to, like, you have to dissect those things and figure out. You can. I definitely don't have this attitude anymore where I sit around and go, "Why haven't they just found me?" I live in Acton. Don't they know to come knock on my door and go, "Hi, we're making a movie. Do you want to be in it?" You got to go to their door and you got to find out who does it, what's the process, how do you get into it, who's in charge of running these things, and they might like you if they find you. So, do a little sleuthing work and we'll figure that out. So, so a little bit, mate, a little bit. Now, this is one I'll ask myself, but I don't I don't know that I'll follow through with this. I don't have that much faith in myself with this, and I also don't think that I con- this constitutes a failure at all. Because sometimes I get really motivated for this, and then I realize oh, that's not really something I want to do. But, hey, buddy, if you haven't done this, you know, no, no shame from me here. I understand. But uh, have you have you tried... At, harder at this at all have you put any more effort into this and have you accomplished building more of a following making yourself more accessible possibly getting over that deep innate feeling that you have where you think that it's needy to just even put the slightest bit of information as to where people could find you out online that that would be good actually if you've gotten over that yeah i think i have definitely man because uh what well, to a point, I still don't have social media, but that's really more of a, I, I have such a peace of mind not to have it. It's, it's, uh, and it's never really been my thing, but I think even that may be starting to come to terms with like, essentially, if you're an artist putting something out, you know, you need a wall to hang it on. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think I definitely, I've come the the fact that it's needy, yes. I hearing that that's a very I hear that is if I hear and that's a very common thing that I hear amongst people who create actually in a weird way. It's like there's more integrity if people find it without being led by you whatsoever. And I just find that very juvenile now. Like I see it as like you'll come if I hear someone say it to me, I'm like you should come out of that, I hope, but this is yeah, this is a very normal phase you're going through where I don't know what it is, but it's almost like the to to us, it's like uh, maybe you look at like Van Gogh or something. I don't know. It's like if you found it and no one told you, he didn't tell you where it was, that somehow makes it an even greater piece of art because it was so good. The magnitude of it was so good that people were drawn to it without being cajoled. And I think that a lot of us feel like we're cheapening the quality of it if we had to like bring you in it's almost like flyering for your own show it's like if it was a ticketed show and i had to see it's like daniel kitson puts a show out secretly and everyone comes to it whereas like we have to be like please come in please come in but it's silly that's so it's a juvenile way to look at it so yeah definitely as far as you're concerned relative to you pal yeah i'm over it get it together quite honestly here's a good one have you taken the steps necessary to experiment with your stand-up as much as you did when you first started within the first year in an effort to push yourself into a, another level of development. Because I think that's, I've thought of that a lot lately where I'm like, I used to be much more experimental because when you first start, you have no idea what you do. 
So you try everything, and then you find what you do. And then you're a little bit more hesitant to veer too far off that path. But I, I'm, I'm enjoying stand-up, but I do think that there's a level of it where you're really enjoying it. And it's like, I, I think that I, w- I want to free up. I'm getting a lot better at it, but I'm f- just free up more. Be like, why don't I try this one? I should throw a guitar up there, which, by the way, I would probably not keep using, but just that kind of thing. So I want to get freer with that. Um, I feel like I've gotten a bit opaque in my uh, experimentation. So how's that going? Yeah, definitely. Definitely in the last year, I've completely given over to that. Absolutely. Because again, it's that thing of like, you think people know you, you, you're so infinitesimal. And that really hits you at some point where you're just like, you are free. There is no expectation. There is no final goal. There is no like, I don't know. It's a weird form of perfectionism where people want to be finished. This is what I do and it's done. And it's not. And it's ever changing. And if you don't put too much thought into it, you can just allow that sort of to to just change and evolve. So yeah, absolutely, man. And it's been great in the last year. It's like all these things you learn when you're starting out, you know, like uh, things that you let happen to you because you don't feel like you should be anything yet uh, have have started coming back. I'll go on. Yeah. I would say that I, I just started going on and doing completely different to what I'm used to. Maybe I'd go on and try to tell a story, just anything. Yeah, definitely. And I think it just happened naturally by easing up on yourself in general with the, with all of it. It just came naturally. And so I don't even, I do it unconsciously now. I'll just do something silly. I don't know. Like I just, yeah, take chances. And uh, uh, the answer to that is yes, man. And I recommend that for everybody. Never be afraid to go electric, man. Right. Have you followed through with your resolution to uh, experiment with working with someone else to actually build a show and uh, attempt to sort of um, expand on what you already do? I want to, for the first time, I want to try to work with someone, like a friend who's like a, could direct it and really see what I could do in like 11 months. Mostly I just bring these shows up. I don't even think about them and I just go up and do it. And uh, I want to see... I have a plan this year to spend like 11 months like really trying to do one. So did you follow through with that? Or did you just wait till June again? Name it something, buy an opening song on iTunes and call it a show. Uh, well, have you know I named it in March. So uh, no, I didn't do like the director thing this year. But I definitely, I have definitely realized that when it comes to the Edinburgh Fringe, I think there's an element of, there's a lot of guys that come up here that don't see, that are hesitant to kind of do anything uh, out of the norm of what they see themselves being on a, in a broader spectrum. I don't know how to explain that, but there's a lot of comics who just want to be great comics, and so they're trying to hone their, to be themselves, and they don't really have room in their head for something completely off the wall that doesn't really uh, add itself to that vision. I don't know. It's a, I don't know if that even makes sense, but... That's part of the thing of the fringe that I've noticed is I go, well, when you're coming to the fringe, essentially what you're doing is you should kind of just accept that there is a fringe show, you know, and it's like you're not I'm not saying you can't do just a normal thing and you absolutely can. And I do. I mean, my show is just like totally improvised and wild and it's uh, I like it. It's fun. But there's nothing wrong with like, again, with that experimentation thing. If you just decide we're going to take a month, I'm going to create a complete anomaly. I'm gonna do a friend. I'm gonna do a one man show because it, it, like I say, it is a one man show festival, but it kind of is, and it's like that. That may be. I just don't see myself as a one man show guy, but that's not the point. 
that, that it's almost a point it, you're not a one-man show guy and the fringe could be about for one month like it's like tom waits tom waits was always interested in people doing things that were completely out of the ordinary for themselves like he would say things like i want to see what frankie valley like a or, or um like a lounge singer, like a, yeah, like a Sinatra. He, what does Sinatra sound like playing guitar? You know, it just like discongruous. So that's essentially what it can be for you. And, and I might be open to that with the knowledge of like, this is completely out of my comfort zone, ridiculous. Like Russell doing a one man show. I don't know. Not this year, but maybe two years. Take two years, get a good person. So not yet, pal, but you just relax. It's only been a year. Okay. You know, a lot of this stuff, man, it's just kind of nice because I'm not, I'm not wanting that much. Really, if I am enjoying stand-up at the peak, now that could be a good thing and a bad thing, you know? That could be like, that's way too many eggs in one basket. Or it's like, at the same time when it's working, it's so... I I could be doing stand-up in this room with like six people, and if I was really loving it and enjoying it, that's, that's... And I also think that everything sort of emanates from that. Like, when that is right, like, everything works out. I don't know, so... Like I said, I don't totally necessarily think in projects, but... But yeah... Yeah, but I also do think I do I do have that. It's like, again, it's like what I said about that thing about that, like, I've got like that. It must have been the movies I watched as a kid. I've got that boxcar kid mentality where I'm like, I always sided with the guy with the holes in his gloves, the, the wise cracking. And uh, I think um, I, I sort of am shifting into like, no, it's okay to have. So have you um, attempted to try to take yourself into bigger sort of what you perceive as more prestigious avenues and um how's that working out for you yeah definitely because it is a mental thing i mean you place yourself in these i was funny i was just saying the exact same thing obviously i've still got that mentality we're talking about industry and how i see them as like this other thing however that gap has closed immensely you know and the the thing is the more you I mean, the difference between someone who you see as in this like higher echelon and yourself is really just a mental thing. They've decided I can be in that. You know, it's like you walk by a nice restaurant, and if you just go, I can't go in there. Well, then that's you know that's that's it. But if you just go, hey, I'm going to go in there. Why not? Well, there you go. After a couple of times, it'll feel normal, and you'll be fine, and you'll be better off for it. So, yeah, uh, definitely. I forget the question, but yeah, the 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 the, the uh, yes, no. Have I placed myself in better? Yeah, man. It's just that you do things for yourself, and I think it's better to come to things after a while than to do it too fast, especially in it, when when in concern with that specific thing. You know, it's like the the comedian who does his first two open mics, and then he immediately emails a big agent or goes to a big club. It's like someone told me a quote recently. It's never too late it's always too early which i think comes from like jay leno or something but that's a good point i mean in the in this uh in this kind of performance you, i think you only get you know you only get more experience and and better so yeah yeah definitely i i've i've put myself in in better places and uh you know instead of going oh i can't instead here's the thing now i'll close that instead of assuming that i'm not invited to a, that I am not invited to a party, you know, I'm, I'm aware that they didn't consciously not invite me. They, they, they may be happy to have me in there. They just didn't know I wanted to go, you know, whereas like normally I would just walk by a big house party and be like, yeah, I'm not even going to go because I know you guys don't want me. Fuck you. And it's like, you can, you can come in, man. I didn't. Hey, come on in. Oh, all right. Yeah. 
So, yeah, there you go. And I'm, I'm genuinely a pretty happy guy, actually, which is nice. Because, you know why? Because we, I mean, and I, I'm annoyingly like this with my girlfriend and anyone else. I, I don't know, maybe it's a Buddhist thing. Like, you give, you're just constantly gracious, you know? But I think when you start stand up late, I mean, we really are doing this. It, this is pretty much as far as I thought it out. Like, if I was still working in an office five years ago, and you told me I was sitting in Edinburgh in Scotland, which I hadn't even left the country at that point, talking to you about being a comedian, my mind would, I'd probably have a hemorrhage. First of all, how did I become a comedian? Second of all, what am I doing, you know? Russell, when you look back over the last year, what is the memory that makes you the most happy? Oh, um, so I don't know. There is no, I guess it's a good thing. There is no one single thing. I mean, like I said, I can, listening to you talk, by the way, it's hilarious how much you define yourself by this thing. And it's been a good experience. It's been a little bit cringy, but the thing for me is I need to relax even more. I've realized listening to you because the, the uh, center of your discontent is the fact that you clearly define your soul based on this craft that you do. Um, it's all been good, man. I think the best memories I've had are just like, you know, and I'm always aware of it. It's like just having a, any day in, in, in like London, just where I've been hanging out with friends or like, you know, and I usually hang out with just one person at a time. Um, I don't know. So being around the flat, we got a, like a new little place and it's, it, it all kind of is just one big, you know, good, good memory. Cause it's all, uh, you know, I think that, that, that's a good sign. Cause like if you, if you can point to last year, we went to Barbados for a day and it, that's kind of like sad to me. That was it. Just Barbados. I don't even know, man. This is all good. The dude abides. It was like, I can't, I can pinpoint a day. My most immediate memories, talking to Simon before we started the podcast. It's lovely. When you, when you look back over this line of questioning done from 2016, is there anything you see now that you missed in hindsight? Looking back on 2016, is there anything I missed? Yeah. I think the advice that I would have... You know what? In And I'm always... So to answer your question, Russell, is there anything that I may have missed in 2016 that I now know that, you know, hindsight 2020, I would tell you um, to watch out for? I think one of the most incredible sort of ideas that I've had. I'm always looking for ideas that destroy these like monolithic concepts that I originally had, you know, these beliefs, like you've got to do it this way. And it's a beautiful thing when you evolve to the point that you go, I was totally wrong about that, that, that thing. And for me, when I started, I was always very averse to putting things out because I felt like you're not ready. You're always not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And years go by and you, you know, people go, oh, why don't you, man, you should be doing that. And it's like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And I actually think that the art, the act of presenting your creations furthers your development at an accelerated rate. So like, I would say not just in the last year, but all, all of the years is, just put it, put stuff out, create, put it out. And again, nobody 
knows who you are. So it's not like the world saw it. I know you can think it that because you put it on YouTube, but like uh, 100 views is, you know, or just. Uh, so, yeah, so I definitely and I came to that definitely halfway through last year. I've, I've started putting things out and it's been good and I'm going to put things out this year. But, yeah, just in general, it's like don't be afraid to like. I think that 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 part of it is like it's like making food and giving it to him. What do you think? Too much salt. Yeah. I mean, not that you should listen. If you like it, put keep the salt. Screw them. But you know what I mean? So, yeah, just uh, don't be such a hoarder, man. That was Russell. I loved how he's become more calm and relaxed a person and a performer and decided to stick to his guns to not give in and become more social online. Although he has launched a podcast, which you can find a link to in the show notes. It's called Off The Grid and I'm on an episode of it. So if you want to hear more from me, there's the best place to do that. I really liked how reflective he was and how self-aware he was about how he's changed and how he was able to even hear the inflections in his own voice from a year ago and be like, yeah, you need to calm down, dude. You need to just let things happen don't get too into yourself on this so that was that was interesting and, and i really appreciate him being so honest with himself and with us if you're new here please do remember to hit the subscribe button if you're old here please do remember to give us an honest ideally positive review in itunes and either way please do consider joining the facebook group it's called the audio time capsule and it's on facebook of course in the group i always pose one question that's inspired by the questions that were left by the guest and this week i'm going to ask you are you about to launch some sort of online project or have you recently launched an online project could be a youtube series or a podcast or you're just starting to post on instagram where before you might have just been a casual viewer what online projects are you starting and why and if you have a link do feel free to share it in a comment underneath this podcast it'd be great to check out what everyone else is doing and the creativity that's behind the audience itself the audio time capsule is a fruit that got in Gravity's Way production for the internet. All elements were created by me, comedian Simon Kane, except for the music that was composed and recorded by David Jordan. Thank you very much for listening, thank you very much for subscribing, and thank you very much for rating and donating if you do. I'll see you all in about 14 days' time. Bye!